I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 208. All right, jumping right in. Murderer stepdad near miss. What? Howdy, Donna and Carrie. I just want to start off by saying this podcast has changed my life. You two have become my friends in one of my darkest times of my life. You make me laugh when I'd forgotten how. Thank you for that. I love y'all and I'm grateful for all that you do. Confession time. Before we begin, I just realized I had your voices mixed up the whole time I've been listening to the podcast. When I've seen photos of you, I thought Donna was Carrie and Carrie was Donna. Oops. That's a common thing. It is. Okay, so Donna does the paranormal and she's got the brown hair. Yep. And then I, Carrie, do the true crime and I got the blonde hair. Sort of blonde right now because I really need to go get my roots done. But she doesn't look like George Washington today. No, if you are caught up on the main episode, you know, I didn't put anything in my hair today. But it is dirty. (laughs) I've been listening for months now, and I've almost caught up completely. I'm a rural mail carrier, and binging y'all's podcast keeps my workday interesting. Now for my story. Please use my name. It would be a dream come true. My parents divorced when I was really young, maybe three or four, and when I was about six, I remember my mom started dating a guy in, quote, jail. I say, quote, jail, because by this time, my biological father was in jail. At that age, I thought it was all the same. And since my bio dad wasn't a bad guy, then this guy probably wasn't either, right? His name is Roger Leroy DeGuermo. And he and my mother dated long enough for that name to seep into my brain well enough to be recalled perfectly more than 20 years later. What I didn't remember until speaking to my mother about this once I was older is the fact that she made several trips to Huntsville, Texas to visit him throughout their courtship. For those unfamiliar with Texas and its prison system, Huntsville is where they keep male death row inmates until they are executed. So my mother made several trips to the only prison in Texas to hold male prisoners on death row and just left my younger brother and I home with a sitter. Awesome job, mom. And not only would she visit him, he would send her gifts. Shit he made from leather while in prison. A leather purse that she used for years. And a leather Bible cover with both of their initials on it that she still uses today. I remembered this briefly in college and asked her whatever happened to cause him to break up. Her answer, it just got too dark for me. What the actual fuck? Now, my mother isn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but there's no way she didn't know that he was on freaking death row going into this dating arrangement. And they don't put people on death row for light shit. It wasn't until I was older and deep into my true crime obsession that I decided I was going to look this guy up and see just what he did to get himself on death row. Now, I kind of wish I hadn't. I got a majority of my information from an article written by Eric Hansen for the Houston Chronicle. On January 8, 1979, DeGuermo and Linda Ladalia Meha abducted Kimberly Strickler at random from a Houston grocery store parking lot. The pair were strung out on speed and looking for a car and drug money. Kimberly was put in the trunk of her car and taken to a rural road in Fort Bend County, where the car got stuck in the mud. As Kimberly struggled and banged on the trunk, according to trial testimony, Meha screamed at DeGuermo to kill their prisoner. DeGuermo shot Kimberly in the head as she begged for her life. The pair then grabbed a passerby, John Moores, when he happened upon the stuck car. They commandeered his pickup, and he jumped out as they drove. After being convicted of capital murder in 1980, 
Roger Leroy DeGermo looked at the jurors considering his punishment and admitted his guilt. And then he said that if they didn't send him to death, they better sleep lightly because you can bet that I would do it again. And you can bet that the first 12 people I would go for would be you. The jury obliged him, but his conviction was overturned years later. He was convicted again, but that time got a life sentence. While in prison, DeGuermo quickly earned the nickname Animal because he would snarl, growl, and claw at people while crouched in his cell. Now, by the time my mother started dating him, all of this had already happened. How did she even get connected with a man like this? Prison pen pal? So, not a good idea. And at what point did she decide that things had gotten, quote, too dark? What bothers me the most about this whole thing is the fact that Kimberly was only 20 years old when she died. I have now been alive 10 years longer than she was able to be, and my mother dated and considered marrying the man who took that from her. It's just sad. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing. You're changing lives and saving lives. Stay safe and creep it real. Love you girls. Lucy L. I want to see the leather purse. You know, you always have the most bizarre takeaway from stories. (laughs) I just want to see it. I mean, I bet it is nice. Yeah, how did she meet him? I feel like you probably have a lot of stories about your mother. (laughs) But yeah, I need you to ask her, what does she mean by too dark? Inquiring minds need to know. Yeah, Donna really needs to know before she um, writes to, what was his name? Danny. Do you know how many people that are in my real life that listened to this podcast have asked me if you actually wrote him? (laughs) No, I'm like, no, she never did. (laughs) No, it was just a joke. Kind of. (laughs) He ain't my type. But really, she's never written to him. But that's so funny. Like, so many people, <laughs> if I, like I said, like that I'm friends with in real life, have been like, did Donna really write that guy? <laughs> no. I just have too much of a, like, sex drive. Well, not as much, thank you, Effexor, but um, used to have too much of a sex drive to, like, be with someone, like, start a relationship with someone in prison. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's one thing, like, let's say god forbid something happened and like and colby ended up in prison like cool i could do it but like i mean let's say like kill my mom or something you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. okay then boy bye but like let's say like total con air situation happened and he went to prison like i could do it but i could not start a relationship like that Mm -mm. look how much i'm attracted to red flags you would think red's my favorite color it's not it's a shade of red it's pink but even that too much for me Mm-hmm. But, like, how dark does dark get when you're dating someone on death row? Right. Which, I mean, he eventually was, all, like, was off a of death row, probably when your mom started talking to him. But, like, still. But life in prison. And I know fucking Google wasn't around, so she couldn't just easily look him up. But if I was dating someone or talking to somebody in prison, I'd be looking him up. I feel like that's a thing. If not, let's make it a thing. Well, I'm just glad that that ended. Y'all are safe and all is well. Okay, the next one. Hi, girls. I thought I would send you a little spooky story that happened to me about 20 years ago. Hope you like it. My name is Linnea. Thank you for the pronunciation. Hopefully, I still didn't fuck it up. And I'm writing all the way from Belfast, Northern Ireland, UK. I recently started binging your podcast, and I absolutely love it. The chats, the banter, literally have me laughing out loud. Having people at my office at work looking at me like I've lost it. This might be a little long-winded, so for that, I do apologize. Anyways, let's jump in. Growing up, my mom was always obsessed with everything paranormal and scary, which ended up rubbing off on me. Maybe from around eight or nine years old, 
I was allowed to stay up one special night a week so I could watch Most Haunted with her. I was so cool amongst my friends in school when in reality, I would shit my pants every night it was on. A little backstory first. I only knew two of my great grandmas, which one was my granddad's mom and the other was my granny's mom. I never knew my dad or his side of the family until I was 20, so was super close to all my mom's side of the family. My granny's mom, I called her Grandma Beat. My granddad's mom, I called Nanny. My Grandma Beat's husband, Grandpa Jack, died when I was around three or four years old, so I don't really remember him very well. My nanny's husband, Granda Kane, passed when my mom was 13 years old. I was roughly around three or four when I had been a little brat towards my mom one evening, resulting being put on the naughty step, made to sit on our stairs for three to four minutes. Sounds like something Donna has in her room. (laughs) I had just sat down when I heard a noise coming from behind me, as if someone was upstairs and coming down behind me. When I turned around, I saw a man that I didn't recognize, although as he smiled, I felt I knew him a little, so I wasn't scared off the bat. He walked past me downstairs on my right-hand side. Side note, our stairs had a little square hallway at the bottom of them. If you were going down the stairs and got to the bottom, the kitchen door was immediately to your right-hand side, and the living sitting room was to your left-hand side. Also, Tina is my mom's sister, and we are very close. So when this man got to the bottom of the stairs, standing in front of me, he turned and asked, Where's your Auntie Tina? I replied, At work, I think. The kitchen door to my right was halfway open, and he walked into the kitchen, nodding his head. As a curious kid, I got up and followed where he just went into the kitchen, forgetting about my three minutes for being naughty. I walked right through the kitchen into the back hall, opening up the back door. Nothing. I came back into the kitchen and went to the storage cupboard. Had to dig around in there and still nothing. Just at that, my mom had heard me getting off the stairs, walking around, opening the different doors, and was super pissed as I was supposed to be doing my time on the stairs. She asked me, what in the name of God do you think you're doing? I replied, did you see where the man went to? I may have only been three or four at the time, but I will never forget the look on my mom's face when she turned and asked, what man? So I said, the man that came downstairs and asked me where Auntie Tina was, I just said she was at work and he walked into the kitchen, but I couldn't find him again. She stood there, not really sure what to do or say. I would be the exact same if this happened to me, to be fair. She brushed it off as nothing as I was prone to having a few imaginary friends growing up. I still had to restart my three, four minutes again, though. Fast forward a few weeks. My grandparents had been on holiday in Spain. My mom brought me up to see them and to hear all about their holiday. While I was sitting on my granny's knee, the photo frame above her head on the wall caught my attention. It was one of those photo frames that have different size cutouts for multiple pictures to go into and had scattered images of our family in it. I stood up on the sofa behind her back and started pointing at one of the pictures in the frame telling my mom, Mommy, that's the man. That's him. He's the one who asked me where Auntie Tina was the other night. To say not only was my mom dumbfounded, but so were my grandparents is the very least. The picture I was pointing at was a picture of my nanny and Granda Kane sitting in a pub having an L from the 1950s. The same Granda Kane that died when my mom was only 13. That year, he was dead 12 years. Looking back on this now, it was nice to know he was looking over myself plus my other family members. I hope you girls like my story. Keep doing what you're doing because yous are awesome. I don't mind if you use my real name and things. 
Thank you so much if you do end up reading this out. Thanks in regards, Linnea R. Your mom was like, ghost or not, bitch, sit down, finish your time. <laughs> yes, I love that. What in the name of God do you think you're doing? I might have gotten that a few times in my life. I feel like you were, yeah, I feel like uh, Linnea did too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, but did you see the man? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Shouldn't be up here. But did you see the man? Also, I feel like I was at the beginning of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory meeting all the grandparents. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> Me too. Did they dance? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, for me, because I'm single, if you know any of your Irish lads that like, you know, stuffed crust, extra large pizzas, let me know. She'll only be stuffed crust once they come over. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Good morning to two of the best paranormal storytellers I've ever heard. Donna and Carrie. Hands down, y'all are great. I look forward to starting my day, throwing my pods in my ears, and listening to these awesome collections of stories. I own a small house cleaning business, so it totally keeps my job interesting, hilarious, and spooky. Just a little story about a crazy psychic reading a little over two years ago. So it may be a little long, but here goes. My dad passed when I was 12. My mom was remarried when I was two, and we left town to move further south away from him. He was very sick when mama got the phone call. He had necrosis of the liver. I had only spent a very little bit of time with him before all this happened. She said it was up to me whether or not to actually go see him in this state of his life. He had been placed in hospice at the time. Being 12 and the struggles of a new step-parent were very hard and I really missed him, so I wanted to see him. We made the trip. December in a hospice home still gives me the chills. Decorated for Christmas, but knowing these people were all dying was immensely sad to me. We came to his room and my mom wanted to wait outside the door. So I went in and he was laying there and was completely yellow from head to toe. His eyes were so dark, completely freaked me out. Probably the first time my heart had ever beat so fast in my life. But being my father, I just went up to him and held his hand. He looked like death all over. He could hardly speak, but could tell he had a lot to tell me, but couldn't quite get the words out. I asked him, why did you never contact me again? Pick me up. Spend time with me like the old days. His response was so slow coming out of his mouth. It's like pictures you put on your refrigerator. You know they are there and don't ever forget them. Sort of disappointed and thought there would have been a better analogy, especially towards his daughter. The next day he passed, December 12th, 2003. Fast forward. I have two precious girls from a previous marriage. I started dating a guy in 2018, and in 2020, he still hadn't proposed. I lost my job due to cutbacks, and my life was totally out of control. I've always been a lover of the supernatural, things you can't explain, and am a true believer. There's another story to that. Anyway, I reached out to a psychic. My dad had been on my mind for a very long time, really a lot the past few years, all the while wondering why. I felt like I barely even knew him towards the end. She has an acclaimed five-star rating in our city, went to some fancy psychic school in England, so trusting the craziness and researching recommendations, I gave her a try. So I went to her. When I walked in, it was a normal house, no black cats or crazy fortune teller decor anywhere around, only a large round table in her back room and a few books here and there. Everything was very clean and white. I sat down and she introduced herself as Elizabeth. She looked to be in her late 70s. 
I told her my name was Sally when I made my appointment. I felt so guilty lying about my name, but hey, my life was already a shit show. So she read my palms, did the tarot cards, spoke of my aura, described my future husband, the man I was dating at the time, to a T. Six foot tall, never been married, no children, exact same facial features, said that my great-grandparents were holding him by the collar until he proved himself worthy to ask for my hand in marriage. This totally made sense to me because he was trying to start his own business at the time. Said he is loyal to you, but is unsure if I was as in love with him as he was with me. I would be engaged in six months to the date, which was 8-27-21. She said, I did have a spirit guide who was from Rome. That's why I was so creative and enjoyed art and all things old and antiques. I was a top of my art class in high school and college. Second question I asked her, I would like you to reach out to my father. I want to know if this is really real. She asked his name and she called him to the table. The candle lights dimmed and she said he was standing on my right side. He's dressed in a blue shirt, very fancy. He was buried in a blue shirt and she had no way of knowing that. She said he had two young boys with him and that they were safe. I have no idea what that meant, still don't. I asked her what is something that he gave me that I no longer have. She grabbed a pen and pad and drew a perfect horse head and I have chills from head to toe. He bought me a real horse when I started riding at age 10. I no longer own him. I asked if there's anything else that he gave me. She stopped and looked at me and told me the gold emerald ring. I was born in May. It was my birthday gift when I was nine. At this point, my entire body was pulsating and I was totally speechless. She said that he wants you to know that your girls are beautiful and protect them. I asked her, why did my mom leave? There's a lot left unsaid for my mother on this topic. He said that she's not really a good person and you'll realize this one day. She goes on to say that he wants to know if he can be my spirit guide in place of my already spirit guide. Without a pause, I said yes. And she said, he says, I enjoy seeing the pictures on the fridge. It's an old picture of him and I at Christmas when I was four. Like, what the fuck? Like, literally, what the fuck? Talk about pulsating. I was about to pee my pants at this point. She also went on to describe my last employer extremely well, and to say the least, losing my job was the last thing on my mind. She stated that you will find solace in yourself. I guess that's a hint of working for myself these days and feeling better than ever. After the reading, I paid her cash and left. She never really fully explained what a spirit guide would do. It was very vague. However, in exactly six months and one day, I was engaged. The wonder of not knowing about my father has since passed, and honestly, I'm a true believer. I have another story I'd like to send in as well. Extreme paranormal after building a new home next to a graveyard in Greenville, South Carolina, about eight years ago. Creep it real, and always, my sincere truths from a hardworking mother, Ash. Is she still alive? Because I need her information. Right. I feel like I, I went to one one time when we went to uh, Memphis. And she did this like cleansing thing on me for extra money. And she's like, how do you feel? And like, I wanted to say peaceful, but I couldn't say the word for some reason. And she was like, I said good. And she was like, wanted me to say peaceful. And I was like, it's weird because that's really what I felt. But like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I don't know why I didn't say it anyway. But I don't think any of their information was accurate. But I've had a couple people tell me that I was going to meet my future husband in the winter which is true because it was December but it was never the right year I can't remember anything they told me I really need to take notes down so I'll be like okay I should you know be looking out 
I think it's cool that you got in contact with your dad via her. Now you know he is by you. What if your parents actually had like some miscarriages that you didn't know about? Ooh. And those are the people that were beside him mm-hmm. or he with someone else that you don't know about. Also, those questions are hard. What's something I gave you you don't have anymore? I wouldn't be able to answer that as a spirit. I'd be like, I don't fucking know. Do you remember my memory? Right. <laughs> And the theatrics of drawing a horse, just say a horse. I mean, I'm sure he like spoke it through her. You know, I get it. I'm just kidding. But seriously, uh, I want to know her name. (laughs) And also send in your other story. You going to go to South Carolina to see her? Well, does she offer phone calls? Mm. Skype? Something? Who Skypes? Is that still a thing? That's still a thing. Oh, okay. Like after the pandemic, it was like Zoom. Everything was Zoom. Oh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Zoom. (laughs) I mean, Skype is still a thing, but yeah, uh, Zoom. Okay, the next story. Dark beings and strange phenomenons. Phenomena. Hey, you beautiful ladies. I recently started listening to your podcast and I can't get enough. You two make my commute to and from work so much more entertaining. You seriously crack me up. I've been wanting to write in for a while now and have been trying to gather my thoughts. I'll start by apologizing for the length of my story, even though everyone says that. But I want to cover everything. Also, my story involves suicide, so insert trigger warning here. This story starts back in 2019. My last boyfriend, we'll call him T, and I were dating for about six months before I moved in with him. Things were going great, and we started remodeling his house. About five months later, things started to get weird. I had always noticed that his house had a dark feeling to it, but things started to escalate. T started having nightmares where he would wake up screaming and felt like someone was holding him down. I worked graveyard and these dreams would only happen when I was at work and he was home by himself. My dog started randomly barking at 3 a.m. and I started to get the feeling that something was always watching me. I would even keep one eye open when I would wash my face because I was afraid I was going to open my eyes and see something behind me in the mirror. One day, my dog and I were sitting on the couch in the living room when T was at work when all of a sudden, my dog craned her neck to look down the hallway towards our bedroom and started growling. I convinced T that we should cleanse the house and I did all the things. I saged the house, put salt in the corners of the house, and got an aloe plant for protection. I was hoping this was going to do the trick. Instead, the worst thing that could possibly happen, happened. Long story short, T attempted to end his life. I found him and he was taken to the hospital. However, his brain was deprived of oxygen for too long and he was pronounced brain dead. T did not leave a note and not I, his friends, or family could ever have seen this coming. Fast forward to exactly one month after T's passing. I was dreaming the most vivid dream I had ever dreamt. It felt so real. I was walking around somewhere telling T that I hoped he was free from whatever it was that compelled him to take his life. I then felt something warm touch my back and I could feel him behind me. I turned around and he was there smiling at me. I immediately woke up and could still feel him touching my back. Of course, I started bawling. I think he was there to tell me he was okay now. I decided to speak with a psychic medium to help with getting some closure seeing as T didn't leave a note. The psychic and I spoke via phone and all she had asked for prior to us talking was a picture of T and how he died. While speaking with the psychic, she was able to describe what T was wearing the night he attempted to end his life. She told me that T had some karma with a dark being throughout his previous lifetimes. 
Sometimes T would live a full life, and other times a dark being would come in and get him. She explained that it was the dark being in our house that was causing the negative feelings, the nightmares, my dog being upset, and what ultimately caused him to end his life. She did say that in the month since T had passed, he had resolved whatever issues he had with the dark being, and he was in a better place now. Shortly after speaking with the psychic the first time, I started experiencing a strange phenomenon where my TV would start turning on by itself. I would come home from work and it would be on. Sometimes I would be asleep and it would turn on and wake me up. I started wondering if this was T communicating with me. I spoke with the psychic again and she confirmed that T has the ability to mess with electronics and that it was indeed him coming to say hello. She also mentioned that he liked to use music to communicate and visit in dreams. T has turned on TVs at my parents' house, my house, and Airbnb at June Lake, and the last time I was at my boyfriend's house shortly after we started dating towards the end of 2020. I think the last time was T coming to say that he approved of my new boyfriend. It has been almost two years since that last time he's visited. I'm so happy I spoke to the psychic and was able to understand what was going on with T. I hope that he'll continue to check in with me here and there so I know he's still doing well. Sorry again for the length, but I wanted to cover all the details. Thank you ladies for reading my story. I'm sure I have more stories to tell, but this is all I have for now. Until next time, creep it real and don't get scared. Haley M. from Nevada. Okay, so also give me the name of your psychic, because I do know that they do phone calls. We're so sorry for your loss, but I love that he comes back to see you. Just, you know, a little ghost style, like the movie Ghosts, but an actual ghost, but like, okay. Okay, yeah. And I think it's really telling that he stopped coming after that last time when you are now entering another phase of your life. Yeah. And can we go back to the other psychic story for a second? Uh, you said pulsate way too many times for it not to be a porn, just I, so you know. I was like, uh, okay, I thought that too. Not that, <laughs> but I was like... Yeah, probably had never used that to describe something my dad did, but <laughs> but I get what they're saying. No, I get what they're saying, but I was like, oh. <laughs> Donna's Friday night. You know, it was Saturday, but yeah. But he was all over the place, turning TVs on and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so you know it wasn't just like, oh, well, this TV comes on, blah, 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 blah. No, it was like everywhere that you were that he wanted to let you know that he was too. Including an Airbnb. Did you have to pay more for that many people there? <laughs> You always thinking about money. Well, when you don't have it, that's what you think of. Okay, the next one. Terrifying shadow man or demon? What the frig? My name is Shannon G. I absolutely love your podcast. You two crack me up. You guys rock. Okay, I think this is pretty long. Well, in text form. So where do I start? My whole life, I've dealt with hauntings in my home. I had an aunt growing up who played with the Ouija board and psychic circles all the time in our family home. It was a big duplex. On one side was my grandparents and on the other was our home. Throughout the years growing up in my teens, I've gone through a lot of terrifying things. But the story I'm going to tell you now is absolutely one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened in our home. My little sister at the time was 16. I had just moved into my new apartment a couple of miles down the road. Our mother and father took vacation for their anniversary to the Riviera Maya, Mexico. My sister was old enough to stay by herself, but I would stop by daily since my little sister was like my best friend. She herself at a young age dealt with some hauntings in our home, hearing kids laugh and talk to her in her canopy bed on the outside of her blankets at night. 
She puts comforters surrounding her bed so she would be almost forded in. She finally told my parents by the age of 10 what she was dealing with, almost on a nightly basis. But anyway, back to my story. My sister one day decided to watch the scary movie Exorcism of Emily Rose in the daytime. One of our favorite movies is The Exorcist. We're big horror fanatics and obsessed with Halloween. So she decided later on in the afternoon that when she would go up to sleep in my parents' bedroom, she will put on the movie Shallow Howl to lighten the mood because it was a comedy that she enjoyed. We had a smaller Cocker Spaniel named Lady who slept with my sister every night. This specific night, I was in the shower and had two missed phone calls from my sister. So I returned the call and she answered the phone whispering, Hello, please come get me and Lady. I asked her why she was whispering and she said she can't tell me right now and to come as soon as possible and not to come in the house because she will be waiting outside. I quickly left to go pick her and the dog up. When I got there, she was outside, like she said, waiting for me. She then got into my car, no bag of clothes or anything for the dog. I asked her what the heck is going on. She said, I don't want to talk about it till we get off of our street. So once we got back to my apartment, she asked if I would say a prayer with her to make her feel closer to God and comfortable. And if I had a Bible that she could possibly sleep with that night. So I did as she wanted. And then she finally let me know what happened. She said she was laying in the bed in my parents' room watching the comedy Shallow Howl. When out of nowhere, she got an extremely uncomfortable feeling. And then at the same time, heard eight or nine extremely loud thud or thumps that came from downstairs at the back door area as if somebody that weighed over 300 pounds was jumping through the house through the kitchen then the living room then up the stairs and boom when she looked at the door she saw a shadow figure as big as a door frame big broad shoulders almost as if they had a top hat and jacket on the second she saw the figure the whole house went black lady our usually quiet pup went crazy and was barking frantically The lights in the house, everything went black for a few seconds and then turned back on. My sister went under the covers when the house went black and reached out to grab the phone to call me outside of the covers. When I called her back, she was under the covers and it was like five or so minutes after that I called back. She told me to come get her. After she told me what happened, I asked her how in God's name did she even have the balls to get out from under the covers and pick up the dog and then walk through the whole house that she heard someone running through then up the stairs. She said she had no idea. She just knew she had to get out. The one thing that made me the most uncomfortable and felt really weird about was she only heard eight or nine thuds that came from the back of the house where our back door was. We have a pretty big sized house and it would definitely take way more than eight thuds for anyone to get up to my mother's bedroom door. Creepy. So anyway, my sister decided to stay with me for the next five days until our parents got home. And we decided not to tell them anything until we picked them up from the airport. But we did have to go back within three days to pick up some clothes and dog food and also straighten the house when my parents got back from vacation. So I decided to bring a couple of friends with us just to ease attention and lessen the scary feeling. One friend of mine definitely didn't believe in anything dealing with hauntings or ghosts or paranormal. The other friend was pagan and she had really open ideas on the subject. The second we got home and locked in, felt like the air in the house was heavy and thick. I most definitely did not feel comfortable and it did not feel like my house. So my friend decided to go upstairs and grab some clothes for my sister while I did the dishes. As I started to walk up the stairs, I stopped dead in my tracks halfway up when I heard a growl in my face. I then turned around to walk back down without making a scene because I did not want to scare my sister. I then told my friend quietly in the other room what happened. 
as I was talking to her, my sister is sitting in the recliner waiting and started towards me and said, something's wrong. We have to leave now. So we called up to our friend and told her to grab whatever she had and let's go. But because she didn't believe us, she was not in any rush, laying on the bed, kind of trying to talk to whatever was there. We finally urged her to hurry up at that point. I think all of us downstairs could feel something was wrong. She was laughing and mocking the situation from upstairs when all of the lights went out again and scared her. We decided to take off running to the front door, and so we all did. The second my sister opened the door and ran out, the door slammed in my face. We had a very flimsy screen door that never latches very well at all, but for some reason, we could not open it. My sister was on the porch by herself. Me and my two friends were stuck in the house trying to get out. I don't know exactly what happened, but my sister started to pray, please God help us. And I don't know why, but we just kind of fell through the door onto the porch and on top of each other. We then left and went to our grandmother's house, who is very religious, close to God, and let her know what was happening. She went back to the house with us the day before my parents were to come home to make sure the house was up to her standards of clean and to make sure the lights were turned off. So as we were leaving, we turned all the lights off. Then we drove down our dead-end circle to go past the house, and my grandmother stops her car and gets out and goes back to the house because the hallway light was on. She said she must have forgotten, but my sister and I knew it was turned off. She then turned it off again and came outside and walked down the stairs. By the time she got to her car, the computer light room and the hallway turned back on. She decided something was not right, obviously, and decided to drive away and not return to turn any lights off. So we go to the airport, pick up mom and dad, and my mother knows something's wrong right away. We fill them in on what happened, and my father was very upset. He's the alpha male tough guy for sure and was not happy that we felt what we felt in his home. The very last creepy thing that happened was when we were driving down our street after picking them up from the airport, we saw that our whole block was black. The whole block lost electricity, and when we returned to the house, we could all feel how crazy it was. Electricity turned on after about an hour being back at the house. My father decided to close himself in the room and have a conversation towards whatever might be there. After that, there are still incidences of haunting situations, but nothing as scary as that week, not even close. That's our story of the shadow man and whatever presence was there. Love you guys. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. But also, I love how shallow how I know it's not right and all that, but God, it's funny. And I always quote it when he's like, banana hands. I also love that movie and it's very problematic. But the fact, too, that Gwyneth Paltrow is in it with all of her like food things, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, it's bizarre to me. It always reminds me of when Tyra wore a fat suit for her show. I used to love the Tyra show. But uh, she, like, got really sad because no one was talking to her. No one did anything, you know. And she was like, I was treated so rudely for just existing. Yeah, welcome to every person's world that doesn't look like you. Yeah. But I think Gwyneth Paltrow said the same thing. Like, she had sat somewhere Mm -hmm. in the suit and no one knew who she was and was very rude. Well, learn from it, people. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, people aren't going to, but I mean, I wish they would. Yeah. But back to your story. Um, I wish that ghost would know, uh, or not even ghost, demon, whatever it is, dark entity, would know that electricity is not cheap. Also, though, um, that thing probably would have left y'all alone if your fucking friend wasn't up there taunting it. Mm, true, true, true. See, this is where I'm a bad friend because I'd be like, come on, come on. Oh, you're not coming? Bye-bye. 
Enjoy it then. I give you like two chances, not three, two. And then I'm gone. I'm out of there. It's a dangerous situation. I don't want to be here. You want to lay in lollygag? You do that. Okay, the next one. Hey there, I know I wrote in yesterday, but I have another story about a haunted house I lived in when I was 12. Feel free to use names. We had some rough times when I was a kid, and for a while, my mom and I lived with this divorced lady named Betsy and her two kids, Kurt and Bridget, who my mom called Bert and Cridget on the the account of them being a couple of feral-ass wildlings. The arrangement was that my mom and me had room and board in exchange for my mom doing childcare and housework for Betsy. My mom was just off a divorce from my sibling's dad, and those two lived mostly at their dad's at this time because of our weird living situation. And this place was a dump. No matter how much my mom cleaned, it just never got better. But this wasn't even the haunted house. After about six months at Betsy's, a guy my mom briefly dated and broke up with got all obsessed and stalky. Kept coming around at night and yelling up at the second floor like, Kathy, I love you. Betsy had had enough of this shit and my mom had enough of Bert and Cridget's shit. So everyone agreed it was time to move on. Broke as fuck and me being in the middle of the school year really limited my mom's options. But luckily or unluckily, cue dramatic Dun, dun, dun. There was this little house for rent just down the block. It belonged to an old guy whose kids just put him in the nursing home and whose wife had just recently died. This place was teensy tiny, just one bedroom and one bath, a kitchen and a back porch. The whole house had really thin, creaky floors with the living room and bedroom super covered in thin carpet. Might have been that indoor-outdoor stuff even. There were two weak-ass radiators to heat up the whole 816-square-foot house. I just looked it up on Zillow. Now, the back porch was meant to be my room, but it wasn't really heated, and we moved in during the dead of winter, so I had to share my mom's bed with her until spring. The homeowner's kids were in such a hurry to rent the place out that they left a bunch of their mom's stuff. In the attic crawl space, we found a box of her old clothes, and they looked handmade and from, like, the 50s. In the basement, we found a bunch of small antique pieces of furniture, including was this ancient sewing machine that had to be from the 1890s, with a wrought iron frame and the floor pedal mechanism to turn the wheel on the machine. Old, old stuff. Sidebar, the house was built in 1910. Thanks, Zillow. And when we lived there in the mid-80s, the foundation still had hunks of limestone and the floor was dirt, y'all. Not pertinent to the story, but it was just super creepy down there. The reason I went so deep into the description of the house was so you'll understand just how closely confined the space was. So now, when I tell you at night we could hear the floor creaking like someone was walking around at night, you'll know they were walking right next to us, and we could feel the floor jiggle with each step. It was so terrifying, I was actually kind of glad I was stuck sharing a bed with my mom. I think our nosing around in the lady's personal things stirred her up and she wasn't happy we were there. Things got worse when it warmed up outside. I now had my own room, albeit a crappy half-finished porch with sheetrock walls, but I kept waking up at night to the sound of muffled chanting, like Gregorian chanting. All I could do was pull the blankets over my head and lay on my good ear. The other one is mostly deaf, to block out the sound until I could fall back asleep. And across the kitchen in my mom's room, the ghost was coming in and sitting on the bed with her. No one was getting much sleep. 
The final straw was a boombox. I will openly admit the thing had a loose power cord that we had to jiggle just right to power the radio. But once it was on, it was on, and you had to physically turn a knob to off so you can feel it click when you shut it off. It was a Saturday, and we did the usual rocking out to the radio while doing chores, and then did shopping and visiting, all the normal life stuff. When we went to bed, the radio was 100% off. That night, we were woken up at 3 a.m. by the radio on full blast, singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, coming for to carry me home. Holy fucking shit, we both scrambled out of our beds and looked at each other across the kitchen like, is this fucking happening? Mom yanked the cord out of the wall so damn fast. We were just stupefied, and I don't even know how long we stayed up before going back to bed. She got us out of there as soon as humanly possible, and even though my mom was broke as hell and had to scramble to find somewhere else for us to live, she did not take any of those valuable antiques with her. If she had, I firmly believe whatever was in that house would have followed us to the ends of the earth. We had our feel of disembodied footsteps, chanting, bed-sitting, and midnight gospel. Thanks for taking the time to read my story, Creep On Creepin' On, Christine. Meanwhile, I need a freaking thesaurus to listen to Gregorian. And what was the other word? I was like, yeah, Lee, I'm glad Donna's reading this. I feel like I only know that because of Ever After. Because they're in the library and the monks are all singing and all the things. Side note, your mom sounds fucking awesome. The nickname she gave them, loved it. And she sounds like she did whatever she had to do to make sure y'all were provided for. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking amazing. The next one. My son, Christian Gabriel, a.k.a. Gabby. Hi, my name is Maria O. By the time I hear this, I'm going to pass a whole bunch of episodes because I just started listening to y'all like a month ago. You girls keep me going at night at work. And for that, thank you. You guys are hilarious and I love y'all. At the age of 16, I had my first son, Christian Gabriel. I would call him Gabby. Unfortunately, he passed 10 days later. Two years, two months, and two weeks later, my second son, Daniel, was born. So I never told my kids that they had an older brother, so Daniel nor Mel Marie knew about him. So when Daniel was around three and a half years old, he was playing in his room, and I was hearing him have a conversation with someone. I was like, maybe he's playing with his dinosaur figures. So I brush it off. Until I saw him grab from the fridge his snack, which was a sandwich and some chips and a Capri Sun. But he grabbed twice the amount of sandwiches, two chips and two juices. So I followed him and asked him why he grabbed twice the amount. And he looked at me straight in the face, serious, and said, I'm sharing with my brother. Remember, I said he didn't have knowledge of his brother yet. So I told him, what brother? You don't have a brother. He again looked at me very serious and said, yes, mommy, I have a brother. You know, Gabby? I swear I thought I was going to die. Cold chills went down my spine. My eyes got watery. I told Daniel, okay, keep playing with your brother. I left the room, my body shaking. Once again, thank you girls for everything. I also have more stories about my son Christian and others that have happened along the year, which I will share later on. Thank you so much and creep it real. Oh my gosh. how he know? Yeah, I feel like that was real because if you have kept that a secret and it's not like he's seen pictures or whatever or, you know, like any of that, he had no knowledge of that. Yeah. And to call him Gabby. Mm-hmm. Also, you just make sandwiches ahead of time. That's smart. 
I do that sometimes for work, but then sometimes I don't like the cold bread. Like the mm. cold bread mixed with the mayonnaise, sometimes it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes it makes me gag. Story of my damn life. Yes. That's how I am with like the pre-made sandwiches from like a gas station or something. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, those hit the spot. And other times I'm like, eh, yeah. stale. And oddly enough, like I really like the tuna ones, mm-hmm. which is like, really? With my history of food poisoning and stuff, <laughs> you think I would be like, nope. To that but i'm like ooh, tuna sandwich from a gas station sounds lovely you know what i want to do this has nothing to do with anything i'm sorry but i said gas station and now i'm thinking about food but i really want to go on a road trip and try all of the gas station pizza i can do because i'm obsessed with gas station pizza really yes i don't love it i freaking love it like i'll go get some of the breakfast pizza and stuff sometimes from one of our local gas stations yeah you do do that because mm-hmm. it's so fucking good so I don't know where I'll be going to on a road trip, but I want to do that and stop and try all of the gas station food, especially the pizza. I should make TikToks doing that, but probably I'll never do it. Isn't that what Barstool Sports does? Do they? they? Or Yeah, they go through and do, um, like they try pizza from a bunch of different places. I had no idea. But thank you so much for sitting in that story. And yes, we want to know the rest. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last one. Sleep paralysis or bad dreams? Hi ladies, I'm Becca and I've been listening to your podcast for about two years. You ladies definitely helped me make it through my long drives to school and working the night shift. I always listen how people say I'm sorry for my long story and think none of the stories are ever that long, but now that I'm writing this, I definitely get it because I'm definitely sorry about the long story. You know what? It kind of dawned on me with the one of the last stories when she said, well, it looks really long in text. And it is. If you're doing like actual text versus on a computer, it does look way longer. True. That is true. I have two stories for you about possible sleep paralysis, but you don't have to read them both because it might be kind of long. So when I was 18, my uncle had purchased a second house that he was fixing up. And while on break from college, I stayed at that house during the renovation because it helped him keep an eye on the house while he wasn't there. The house itself was a little creepy, but I figured it was just because I was in a big house all alone and had grown up in a family of six, so I was not used to being alone. Anyway, every night I would lock all the doors, and then I went to my room. I would lock that door too, just for peace of mind. Well, one night my sister was staying the night. I went through the house like I always did to lock everything and went to bed. When I was sleeping, I slowly drifted out of sleep and started hearing things that were going on around me. Like the fan, the rain outside, the sound of my sister sleeping beside me. Then I quickly realized I couldn't move. I was sleeping on my side and kind of half on my stomach, so I couldn't see anything around me, but I felt extremely unsafe. Then I heard the click of the bedroom unlock, and my stomach dropped. A few seconds went by, and I felt a cold, clammy hand curl around the back of my neck, and then my face was being pushed hard into the pillow until it was hard to breathe. And then I heard my sister snore next to me, and just like that, the hand was gone and I could move. I shot up like a weed, literally terrified of what I would find, but nothing was out of the ordinary. I got the courage to go check the lock on my bedroom with the plan to jump out the window and run to my grandma's house if it was unlocked. I might be an extra large pizza, but I will make the exception to run in extreme cases. But when I checked, it was still locked, and there was nothing out of the ordinary, but the room felt heavy. I just stayed up the rest of the night watching TV because there was no way to sleep after that. I told my sister about it in the morning, and she said she didn't have any problems sleeping, but she did say the house definitely felt kind of creepy. 
My next story happened a few months ago in my current home. I was working night shift, so I was always alone when I would sleep because my husband works days. So I was sleeping how I always do, half on my side, half on my stomach. The same thing happened like it did before. I could hear everything, I couldn't move, and I felt so unsafe. I could feel my heart beating out of my chest because of how terrified I felt. And then I felt it. A large, cold hand on my leg, moving up to my hip, then onto my back, and from where my head was, all I could see was a dark shadow moving from my feet to my head. I was pushed forward, so I was almost completely on my stomach. I felt extreme pressure on my upper back. It felt like my back would snap from the pressure, and it was hard to get my lungs to fill up with air because it felt like something was on top of me. And that's when I heard the thing that shook me to my core. I heard a low, creepy-ass laugh right in my ear. Like, I swear I felt the hot breath in my ear. I was like, nope, nope, nope. This is not how I'm going out. So while still feeling the breathing on my ear, I tried to focus on my fingers. I was always told if you can focus on something to move it, it will get you out of your sleep paralysis state. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, I moved my thumb. And as soon as I was able to move, the pressure and all the overall heaviness in the room went away. I looked around and everything looked fine. I got up and even though I'm not super religious, I put my cross necklace on so fast and started saying the Lord's Prayer. I had been sleeping with my watch on and for about 20 minutes, my heart rate was steadily at 180 beats per minute during that whole experience. I told my sister, a different sister from that previous story, and she thinks that these are all just bad dreams. What do you guys think? Thanks for always making me laugh and keeping me awake through night shift. I'm sorry for the bad grammar and possible spelling errors. Creep it real and don't get scared, Becca. Um, I'll tell you what I think, that I thought sleep paralysis only got you when you're on your back. Uh, I sleep on my stomach and I thought I was safe. Now I feel not so safe, Becca. But I would like someone to move their hand from my leg to my hip to my neck, all the things. I was going to say, the only big strong hand I won't do in that is Colby. Well, I don't have a Colby, so I'll take anyone. Just not anything. True. And you will take anyone. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm open, just like my legs, to all applications. And why you got to talk on your sister like that when you're like, and then I heard her snoring. Well, because maybe her sister's like you and refuses to believe that she needs a CPAP, even though you've snored like that forever and need one. Well, the doctor hasn't said I need one, so. The doctor doesn't know that you snore that way. Well. That's like, the doctor doesn't know I have chest pain. Well, have you told them you have chest pain? No. Well, how the fuck are they supposed to know? I don't want anything messing with my sleep. And that feels like it would mess with my sleep. And don't tell me, oh, you'd feel so much better because you're still sleepy as fuck. Yeah, but I'm like a sleepy person. You can't take my chronic fatigue as an example. Uh Uh-huh. Colby's like a new damn man. Well, he has other things that help him be like a new man too. He started taking all his medication. Yeah, but it still helps. I don't want it. Look, don't get me on your fucking machine. I don't want the cult of the CPAP. I'm not going to be a snork along with the rest of you. You don't have to be. You could get a different kind. I'm not a snork anymore. Are you not? Uh Uh-uh. If you need a CPAP, get one. And thank y'all for listening and sending in your episodes (laughs) or your stories. Whatever. Look. Oh, the CPAP. I'm tired. It makes her so happy. I'm tired. Uh (laughs) For real, though. Thank y'all so much for sending in your stories Keep them coming. If you want your story read, send it into aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared.